Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about Birds of Prey. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? Well, on this podcast, we like to talk about games, but we also like to talk about movies and TV shows that pique our interest. We've been covering basically every comic book movie that has come out in the past five years, so it makes plenty of sense that we would cover Birds of Prey or or, or the Fantabulous Exoneration? Emancipation. Emancipation of one Harley Quinn, which has recently been renamed as of today to Harley Quinn colon Birds of Prey. Really? Why did... Yeah. I I just saw that on Twitter. I don't know if that's apocryphal or not. Apparently it's because the the film underperformed in its opening weekend uh, by, honestly, not even that much. By like a little bit, but maybe they're panicking. I don't know. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. Honestly, I, I I figured it like if they were going to do the name changes because emancipation tends to be a loaded term. But yeah, um, you know. But anyway, before we get into spoilers, buddy, what were your non-spoilery thoughts on Birds of Prey? Funnily enough, this is the first. Uh, DC movie that really felt like a Marvel movie to me in the sense that it was fine. It was okay. I had an okay time sort of riding the wave of it, but ultimately it was pretty forgettable. And I realized in the theater, it's like, yeah, you know, I'm not really going to be thinking about birds of prey all that much in a week. Um, and, uh, yeah. And that, that's my like overall take of take away from birds of prey. I think I'm a little bit farther out from it uh than certain other folks are um like i liked it less than it is good um just because it did some small things that kind of like got on my nerves in like a very personal taste sort of way uh but otherwise you know i thought it was okay it was there was some stuff that was bad some stuff that was great and a lot that was just very mediocre and straightforward and not all that interesting or uh, or engaging, but, like, enough to kind of, like, justify the time, if that makes sense. So, truly mediocre. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I generally agree with that. I, th- I definitely think there were some high points. Um, there were some I, – I felt that some of the low points were, like, very low. Um, I mean, like – and so – Kind of on the subjective, I don't think this is too spoilery, but, like, I just don't think the movie was very funny, right? Like, and it was trying to be. It, like, I think hit, like, Ant-Man 2 levels of, like, had some okay moments, but, like, was generally not great um, in terms of the humor. Like, hmm. Interesting. Yeah, or I, I, I think the problem I, I, I predicted last week came true too, which is like the movie focused on zany Harley Quinn isn't as good. Whereas Harley Quinn can be kind of like the secondary person to a straight man. Like you know, I, I, I think maybe we need to get to. Uh, I think, I think maybe we need to get to the spoiler stuff to really get through this. Unless you had any thoughts before we before we get to spoilers territory. No, nope, that's that's basically it. I'm definitely interested to to get down get down into the nitty gritty of it. Uh, so, all right. Well, here's your spoiler warning. If you would like to see Birds of Prey without being spoiled, um, 
go watch it now. Although it sounds like neither of us really rec- recommend that. So, you know, uh, but there's your warning. All right. So, uh, how, how do you, how do you, how do you want to start this off? God, man, how do I want to start this off? Okay. So here's my, here's kind of my like overall thing with, I just, it just really did feel like Ant-Man 2 or any of the other like, like low level Marvel movies that I just never cared about after I saw them in theaters. Right. Um, and maybe there's something a little bit different about it here in the sense that like in previous iterations of those Marvel movies, you always have kind of like the bigger lore implications to kind of like latch onto, right? Like that doesn't really work now because we're obviously in a post end game world, but you can always go with like Ant-Man 2. It's like, oh, well, what does the end credits thing mean for the next Avengers movie? Who knows, right? Like oh, that kind of, that kind of thinking. Uh, Harley Quinn doesn't really have any of that stuff, besides the fact that it definitely takes place in the DC Extended Universe, and it has not been retconned out, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, yeah, so in the theater, I was getting that feeling, like, I was like, oh boy, like, I know that there is, like, not a lot of meat on this bone in a long-term sense, even though I'm kind of, like, enjoying, like, the roller coaster ride. Um... I think the movie had what what are the problems? Uh I thought the action was generally pretty bad. Really? Um, I, so so that's that's interesting cuz I I thought like I thought some of the fight scenes were actually pretty pristine. Like I really enjoyed the so fight scenes. So I do scene agree with that. I do think there I almost think that like somebody was sick that day and they like brought in a second unit director or something that like was really good cuz like there's the there's one fight scene in the evidence lockup. That was great. When it was, like, just Harley and a bunch of goons or whatever. Um, and then there were, like, small moments in other fight scenes that I could tell. I was like, ooh, this is, like, good. Right? Like, I like the Black Canary in the back of the truck one. Um, and maybe it's those two. But the rest of it, I was like, these are not great. These are not good. Yeah, uh, I think I'm, like... I think I mostly like I so I liked part of the final fight like the the part on the turntable I thought was neat. Um, I didn't think it was as good as the other stuff. Like the part directly before the evidence locker, the the sprinkler scene I think worked pretty well. Just like I thought the 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 water shots were cool. Okay, yeah, I'll actually agree with that too. I also um, think that that stuff also all works. But I, I I think I mostly agree with you. Like like the I thought the trampoline part of the final fight was was not good. Um, like it, it, it was kind of disorienting. I didn't think it added a lot. Yeah. Uh, I had that disorienting feeling about a lot of the stuff in the final fight, which is mostly kind of what tanked it. Um, it was all just kind of tough to tough to parse. Um, and which is probably why the black canary one and the Harley Quinn solo one worked so well because they were individual. Yeah. That makes sense. You know what I mean? Like it was just like what? one person doing a thing um so yeah and and the, the thing we talk about were like what was it like fight legibility like the sense of the space like i think it came through in those kinds of scenes i think because one the yeah. alleyway was was fairly well defined um and to the uh like the the jail cell to the evidence locker. The evidence locker started to get shaky towards the end but um i thought i thought it, i thought it worked all out all right um, yeah, and there's just, like, a couple of small moments in there. Part of it is that, like, I thought a lot of the fight scenes were weirdly, like, 
pristine. They didn't really want to like, they were interacting with the environment, but not in a impactful or destructive way. And so I really enjoyed it. Like there's one part where in the evidence locker, the dude kicks Harley Quinn back into like the unopened BMW door. And she tumbles through the door and rips it off its hinges and stuff like that. Or like in the black canary one where she kicks the door with the dude's head on it and it, and his head crashes through the window but she's kicking the door through his you know what i mean right yeah, yeah. like pushing his head through the window and so it's like those moments i thought were great um because they like evidenced some real power uh but i feel like otherwise there were a lot of things that were just like kind of um it was very like flighty and it didn't feel sort of like real or tangible, which is typically what I say about bad Marvel movie fight scenes. Yeah, no, and, and some, this is actually something I was thinking about, is that like I think some of the tangibility translated a little bit better in these movies than they do in some of the other superhero movies just because um, no one really has superpowers besides Black Canary, so it's all very physical, right? Like the part where like she like like hits the guy's like leg like four times like felt really like, oh, right? Like I could like... You know, oh yeah, that yeah. was another part that was also great. I also like that part a lot. <laughs> yeah, but like you know, it's 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 a thing you just kind of don't always get with like lasers, especially because like a lot of it's special effects. And, you know, there's no real impact, right? Where, um, like obviously they didn't break someone's leg, but like uh, like it looked like there was like an actual prop there, which I think kind of carries the motion better. Um, no, yeah, I mean, I think they, I think it, they also got to do stuff because it's R-rated instead yeah, of PG thirteen, obviously. Um, so. There's like that piece of it, but so so yeah. I guess this is this is part of where it, look, I feel like this is a lot of how I think about it. It's like okay, here's a couple of instances where they did it right, but though otherwise it was kind of like not great, right? For instance, when you said that you thought the humor wasn't great, I was like, man, like how much do I laugh? And I definitely did laugh at a couple of places, and I didn't think of it as being unfunny, but I also didn't really think of it as being particularly funny either. So like even if I could like pinpoint a couple of the jokes or whatever that like read. Uh, for me, the majority of, the majority of them were just kind of like unengaging. Um, yeah, it, it felt kind of trite to me. I, I also think that like they didn't do enough kind of like of the the camaraderie piece. I guess is the way I'd put it. Like I thought it started to come together in the taco shop, but that's like literally five minutes before the end of the movie, right? Yeah, if, I, I think that's a huge structural problem with the movie. The movie's all runway and it's no like flight. Yeah, um, yeah. Because the team doesn't get together until literally the climax, which, like, makes a certain amount of sense in a way. I'm trying not to be a shithead about this because, like, I have that impulse in a way to be like, well, it's not like the comic books and in the comics, blah, 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 blah. Um, but, like, this is a very different sort of iteration on what the Birds of Prey look like compared to what I am intimately familiar with. Um, and so, to a certain extent, it's a little bit of, like, well, yeah, how on earth are you going to put Harley Quinn on the same team as Black Canary and Huntress, right? Because, um, like, that actually doesn't really make a ton of sense. Yeah. Um, I thought I thought for the most part, like, the kind of supporting-ish characters didn't get characterized well, right? Like, I, I think Harley Quinn and Black Canary were decently well characterized, right? And I think Harley Quinn pulls a lot of that along from also, like, just kind of her cultural imprint right like like in the same way that like spider-man you don't have to do the origin story anymore really because everybody kind of knows it i feel like you get you get enough of a cultural input with harley quinn for that to carry forward and i think they did a lot for black canary 
um, who I don't know very well, but like it felt like she was a real character. Whereas like the other characters just kind of like didn't. It felt some of some of it felt like tell don't show. Um, oh, really? Ah, uh, I, I I was very rooted in the one of the weird things about the movie actually is that simultaneously certain of the characters are incredibly true to form. Um, specifically, Huntress is like this, and also Renee Montoya. Renee Montoya, whoever. I mean, I, the, the, there must have been, like, a note somewhere where someone included the line about, um, you know, like, have, have you had a drink yet? It's almost noon or whatever. Because, like, it's just – it's so true to form for, like, that character and her relationship with all of her bitter ex-girlfriends. And it's just, like, the weird thing is is that it's, like, okay, here is the most – incredibly one-to-one translation of Renee Montoya that you will ever see in your life. And then there's also this Asian pickpocket character who is nothing at all whatsoever like Cassandra Kane. And so in the same movie, you have like the most high fidelity adaptation and the low, the lowest fidelity adaptation of comic book characters. It was so weird. Yeah, I mean, I think those two are particularly connected in that I thought those two in particular were not particular were not well acted. Um, I thought Cassandra Kane was like very kid bad, right? Like just kind of like it felt like a kid trying to play a character. I, it just didn't feel good, right? Like um, I, I thought her performance wasn't great. And then the other side of that was like I couldn't tell if if uh, Renee was supposed to be like like it felt like they were trying to go for the like, you know, like, really play into the 80s cop thing, but, like, I don't think they, like, juiced up the actual kind of, like, pieces around it enough, right? Like, it, it did, it, it felt, it felt like, like, my external reading of it felt like it was supposed to be, like, bad acting so that it came across as a, um, as, like, a, an 80s cop thing, but it just kind of felt like bad acting, if that makes sense. I definitely didn't think it was bad acting. I thought she was pretty great. She's probably my favorite character of all of them in the, in the, like, she, she was, she just, like, did the best stuff. Which is really weird because Renee Montoya doesn't, like, belong in that group. Honestly, a little bit more than Harley Quinn does. Because, um, like, okay, so, in a certain sense, they're kind of fusing, like, three different groups, right? So there's the Birds of Prey, which is... Black Canary, Huntress, and typically a third one. Sometimes it's, like, Big Barda. They, they did Black Hawk for a while. But, like, these are, like, traditional superheroes, and they're working for Oracle, right, who's the Batgirl, but she got shot, and so she's in a wheelchair and is, like, good with computers and does hacking and shit like that. Then there's Gotham City Sirens, which is a villain-focused story that is Poison Ivy, Catwoman, and Harley Quinn just, like, tooling around Gotham being and bad guys and then there is uh gcpd um and that's renee montoya that's like where renee montoya came from she eventually becomes a superhero named the question but for like the famous part of her lifetime right she is explicitly like a good detective in the in the kind of like overall cop drama of the gotham city sort of police department right so like in a way, it's sort of this, like, Frankenstein mishmash between those three sorts of stories. And all and everybody got, like, a little bit weirdly warped by, like, by that interaction. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, I just in, in terms of like how they like how how Renee specifically played played out. I think she like I just felt like the line reads weren't great there, right? Like the line where she says like that wouldn't have happened on my my watch, like kind of really rang hollow for me and like hit my ear like super wrong. I, I just thought it didn't come across well. Um, and I don't know, like, part of this is maybe I just don't have the insight into the comics, but, like, that's, like, I, I just thought it, it, it felt, it felt kind of stilted to me, is the best way for me to put it, I think. Okay, I, I guess I get that. That, you know, I feel that. Um, I, I, maybe that's just, like, Rosie Perez. I feel like I have a close connection in a way, because um, she's in, like, Do the Right Thing. She's in a bunch of stuff. Uh, and so, like, I, you know, in a certain sense, like, she is kind of almost more the actress, and that's part of it than okay. it is. I could buy that. Like, like the, the in, specifically in terms of, like, the acting stuff. Because, um, like I said, I do think she is very, like, true to form when it comes to being, like, Renee Montoya. Um, but, but, like, from an acting perspective, I feel like a lot of that is sort of inherited just because, like, I've seen Rosie Perez and stuff, and that's kind of what she does. Fair enough. Uh, what else? And then, and then, so the other thing that I thought was interesting is Huntress basically doesn't show up until the very, very end, which I think is kind of dumb and bad, to be honest, because she's sort of. I agree. I mean, I think Black Widow is really. I mean, okay, so if we're talking Birds of Prey, the real foundational character who's always in it is Barbara Gordon, right? Is Oracle. Um, but she's not in this movie at all, so. In a certain sense, it's kind of like making, like, the Avengers without Captain America, which is, like, doable, obviously, but it's just, like, weird and not quite, like, the iconic iteration. Um, but then to have the story, like, not be focused on either uh, Black Canary or Huntress, who are, like, typically, like, the two big operatives who kind of, like, fill out the team, was also, like, a little bit weird. Also, Black Canary's story was, like, kind of strange. Like, she doesn't... That's, like, not – in a way, it's, like, kind of – like, she's sort of, like, 50-50, right? Like, it's true to the spirit of the character in a way because, like, Dinah Lance does have a famous superhero mom who she's kind of, like, living under the, the like, the shadow of or whatever. But, like, she's not, like, a singer at this lounge from poor Gotham trying to, like, deal with this – you know, with, like, Black Mask or whatever, right? Like, she's basically superhero royalty and just, like, a member of the Justice Society and the Justice League before this. So, like, it's not like she could walk into a club and be like, oh, Roman Sionis, hi hire me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, like, all that stuff was very, like, weird. But, yeah, I, uh, but I, also... I, I definitely saw at least one one take that was, like... You get it? Her name's Black Canary, so they made her black, even though she's not black in the comics or in the Arrowverse, which, um, which like, I went and looked up the Arrowverse picture of her, and I, I figured, I thought that that was, like, strange just because I figured you'd, you'd want to draw people across from that. They've been very strange in not connecting their, their kind of, like, DC TV universe stuff into the, uh, into, into their, uh, what is it? Um, into the cinematic universe, yeah, yeah, like because those are very popular, right? You'd figure that'd be an easy kind of pull, um, to kind of line those things up. I, I, I don't know, um, uh, but yeah, like I, like, like I said, I, I, like I said last week, I went into this not knowing anything about any of the characters, you know, obviously Harley Quinn, but uh, yeah, there's what like hmm, who and Huntress. So, so the Huntress thing was like. I felt like she didn't get any 
time to like get her footing before they try to make like that like you know like she's angry joke and then like that's part of why that joke fell flat to me i, I felt like both her and renee montoya were trying to like fill a straight manish roles but like not like like they, they didn't like they weren't serious enough to kind of hit those to hit those marks if that makes sense um like when when renee montoya shows up in the group right like she's drunk so like it's kind of like slapsticky, like drunken boxing type stuff, um, and then Hunter shows up and is immediately like clownishly angry, and like I think you really need someone to be like a a, a more serious straight man for some of the humor to play off. I just I feel like the, those characters weren't established enough. Um, yeah, I, feel- I mean this this is another weird thing because like Hunter. So I I love Huntress. Huntress is basically my favorite character in like a true sense from among all of these, right? Uh, but, like, all of Huntress's, like, really great drama is with Batman, who's obviously not in this movie at all. So, like, she kind of doesn't have anything to, like, really do, and you don't really, like, get to do cool and interesting stuff with her character that's, like, an echo of, like, the comic book stuff. Because her whole thing is that, like, she really wants to be, she wants to be, like, a member of the Bat family, but she's kind of, like, too tempestuous and temperamental to, like get there like part of her story is that uh she wants to be batgirl after barbara gordon gets shot batman is like no and she's like well fuck you i'm gonna be batgirl anyway she becomes batgirl anyway royally fucks up and gets a bunch of people killed and is like oh my god i can't believe and then batman is like you did this and she's like oh my god i can't believe i did this and that's when she becomes huntress right or she readopts the 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 like the mantleist huntress and she kind of like exists on the outside of like the bat family right and it's like Part of the drama is always that she wants that approval, but she never gets it because, like, she's, she's like, bad at this stuff. And you can't do any of that without Batman or an established Bat family, for that matter, right? Like, even if you had, like, maybe you had, like, a Barbara Gordon who was willing to sort of be, like, the Bat surrogate in this instance, you could pull that sort of story off. But there's just, like, there's no Batman on any level in this movie, so you kind of can't do anything that, like interacts with the bat family which is also you know this is also part of why cassandra kane sucks because cassandra kane is the bat girl that replaces huntress after huntress flunks out essentially as batgirl which is part of like their whole drama in the comics but you can't do that when this character is literally nothing at all like cassandra kane what do you have any sense of like why they made her cassandra kane and not just like an original character i have no idea it's not even like it's hard to find a character in the Batman mythos to, like, fit this bill. Like, just off of the top of my head, right? You could do Harper Rowe, who's a very recent character. She's essentially the seventh Robin, um, but nominally the first Bluebird. She, like, Batman is like, hey, she's, she's like a street kid, right, that does this whole thing. And then Batman is like, hey, you should come be my sidekick, be the new Robin. And she's like, I don't want to be Robin. I'm going to make my own thing and so she calls herself bluebird that's like her whole thing you could do jason todd or like a gender swapped jason todd if you want to make it all girls um because like that's his whole backstory is like the street kid picked up by like the bat family you could even do holly robinson who might even be the best version of this holly robinson is kind of like the robin to Catwoman, who has a lot of interaction with the gotham city siren side of things so like would it would make plenty of sense that Holly Robinson, who's also a street kid or whatever, would have like 
these sorts of interactions with Harley Quinn. And just like the fact that they went with Cassandra Kane is just absolutely mind boggling to me. I have no reason. What is Cassandra Kane in the uh, in the comics? So okay, so in the comics, so in the comics, there's there's a certain level of like kung fu stuff that happens with Batman, just as like a preface, right? Um, Where uh, you know, like he's trained all over the world or whatever, and he's like one of like the world's best fighters and stuff like that. Um, And uh, and this is like the Rachel Ghoul Lady Shiva side of things. And there is a, a an assassin based in Gotham named Kane who is like the guy that beat that can like 1v1 Batman in martial arts and like beat him right Cassandra Kane is his daughter but he did this thing where instead of and I know this is going to sound weird but it, it's comic book it's comic books he did this thing where when he was raising her instead of teaching her how to speak he taught her to use her language centers to be like a better fighter so like she reads body language better than anyone else in the world because like like that's the only socialization she has which is why she can't speak right she's like effectively mute because she doesn't understand english she eventually teams up with this lady assassin named lady shiva who's like the enforcer of like razal ghouls like Rachel ghouls gang for a lot like the league of shadows and stuff um and lady shiva uses her mastery of martial arts to teach Cassandra came to speak English kind of in the way that like, okay, so you and I both speak English, but if I wanted to teach you to speak Spanish, I would use English to teach you Spanish. She uses martial arts to teach Cassandra Kane English. What, what, what year did this storyline happen in? This is like 20 years from like the late nineties to the mid two thousands about, uh, or like from basically from like 1990, to like 2010, this is, this is essentially like all played out. Uh, it's very complicated, I know. <laughs> no, because like the, to, me, to my mind, that sounds like like an eighty story, right? Like we made this weird character with weird reasons, and then we just like did something weird to make her normal. But like, well, that's she, the, so I don't think she becomes Batgirl until like nineteen ninety. I think she was Batgirl in No Man's Land, which is like nineteen ninety eight, okay. and then she was Batgirl basically all the wait, way through until the New Fifty Two, which is fifteen years wait, later. Is she mute as Batgirl? Uh, yes, for a long time. But eventually she learned to, like, speak. Um. Oh, oh, and so, like, but, like, she didn't, it's, it's not like she didn't, she just didn't speak. She also couldn't understand English. She just had to, like, well, or was it one of those things where, like, kind of hand-waved it um, and she inferred I think she, it? Uh, I think she understood English. I actually kind of don't remember. Okay. Uh, I just remember that that is the explanation of how she, like. Gets taught it, yeah. No, that yeah. that's that that sounds that sounds very comic booky. Um, yeah, that's not like this character at all. Like, also this character. Oh, I mean, I guess you could. I guess since her dad is she's a foster kid, you could oh. like backport in Kane. I guess later down the line, if you really wanted to set that up, but I don't see why you would. I don't think uh, he, I, but like she clearly talks all the time. You know what I mean? Right, 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 right. I mean, so, not 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 yeah. that aspect of it, but like just kind of like maybe if like maybe if the point is just to kind of like provide a link to like pulling Kane at some point. Yeah, um, yeah, and and part of like I like Cassandra Kane a lot because I like that side of like the League of Assassins stuff. It's like very cool, especially compared to like like so for instance, Cassandra Kane and the Third Robin, Tim Drake. This is like the Robin after Jason Todd dies and 
Dick Grayson has become Nightwing. This is kind of like the the true Bat Family, right? This is like Golden Age Bat Family stuff. It's like she and Tim Drake are like close, but in like a brother-sister way. Tim Drake is a really good detective, but he's not actually very good in fights. And she's like super great at the fighting stuff. So they like kind of like bounce off of each other and have this like kind of great dynamic between one another. Um, she develops a very close relationship with Barbara Gordon as like the original Batgirl, obviously. In fact, that was, okay. So that was honestly its own drama for a while where like Barbara Gordon was like, oh my God, I can't believe you're doing another person. I got shot doing this job. Why are you taking this teenager? But then, obviously, like, Cassandra Kane is, like, insanely good at this job. So, it it's all, it's all fine, I guess. So, like, there's all these sort of layers. But, like, again, all of this stuff is Bat Family stuff. And we are not dealing with Batman or the Robins or anything to deal with any of that. You know what I mean? Which is just, like, what, what, why did they, why did they come at it from this angle? I don't understand. Yeah, yeah, no, like, it's, like, it sounds like that you've got, like, what, that's, like, what, three hooks into the Bat family, right? That's, like, gone on, no, that go, like, unrewarded? I don't know, that's that's, that's weird. Yeah, and, like, again, I don't think the movie is bad. I just think that, like, some of these choices are very, like, are very strange. Yeah, these are weird meta choices, right? Like, this is, this is, like... Like this doesn't have a direct impact on the movie, especially for some, like like somebody like me who doesn't know what's happening with this. But like you, like part of the draw of these movies is kind of like the way that like fans can look at it and be like, oh, I know what that is, and you know, oh, I see what that is. But it feels like it feels like they're very intentionally not connecting some of those dots, and sometimes not rejecting them. That, that feels like a like a bad way to do it, right? Like you feel like you do it any other way to just kind of make that more resonant. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, uh I think uh you probably could have subbed a couple of these characters in and out as necessary to make like a Gotham City Sirens movie happen. Um you know what I mean? Like you could have swapped out Black Canary for Selena Kyle or whatever and gotten like those characters are essentially, you know, pretty similar. Um, and then the the interesting thing is another piece of like continuity that is strange is that Harley Quinn has a really close relationship to Poison Ivy. In fact, I actually think that they're together in like the modern iteration of the comics. Like right now, Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy are dating. Um, and the character who in the comics redefined Harley Quinn out of being just like the Joker's bitch to like a real full-fledged character in and of her own, like, in in and of her own right, I guess, was Poison Ivy. So, like, not only do you have all this weird stuff where it's like, okay, here's all these characters that have deep connections to the Batman family, but we're not dealing with any of that stuff. We also have characters who are, who have deep connections to, like, other characters who are off-screen or, like, don't, or, like, don't exist here. And it's just, like, at a certain point, where do you, where do you get this sort of Frankenstein's monster? Yeah. So on to, on to another thing. Uh, this is probably going to spawn another flurry of questions about the DC universe. But um, Black Mask, right? The actual character. Um, I really actually enjoyed Ewan McGregor's kind of hamminess. Like it felt fun in like the same kind of way I really like, really enjoyed. Um, I, it was Tom Hardy, right? That played Venom. Um, like I like it felt kind of like 
over the top in the same way and I enjoyed it. But like I don't like – like the black mask part of him felt like basically unrelated. Like he just kind of like – like he puts the mask on and it's like not really part of anything. Is is like – like, like, is, is the black mask like do anything for him in the comics, or is he is just like a symbol thing? I don't know. So the black, so he is. That's like just his face, kind of in like a red skull sort of way. Um, I think he's. There's something about like he got fucked up, or like 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 his face is fucked up or something. And so originally the mask was just a mask. But then eventually just, like, was his face, essentially. Um, I actually love Black Mask. And I think that this is a pretty great version of, of Black Mask in, like, general. Um, one of the things that makes Black Mask Black Mask is how much he really enjoys torturing people. Um, Black Mask famously is the guy that kills Stephanie Brown, who is the fourth Robin. Um, and it is just a brutal... It's It is brutal (laughs) but like that's his thing right like this is the thing that kind of like marks him as a different sort of character than the other uh the other members of the super like the other members of like the gotham underground supervillains right like you know penguin kind of has this like corrupt politician vibe to him and he's just like all about money or whatever and then you have other characters that have other gimmicks right like you know, um, the Joker or, or like the ventriloquist. Do you know who the ventriloquist is? I have no, I have never even heard of the ventriloquist. Oh. The ventriloquist is actually great. Well, so it's the ventriloquist and Scarface. Um, sometimes it'll just be Scar- Scarface or, or whatever, but it is a guy who has a, like a multiple personalities, but he's also a ventriloquist guy and he has this gangster dummy of a Scarface dummy with like a, with like a little Tommy gun and everything. Um, and then, like, the ventriloquist is, like, all meek or whatever, but, like, he runs a gang, and it's very, like, 20s Al Capone style. And so you'll have a bunch of these different gangs, and they all have, like, their own, like, little things. And Black Mask's gang, which is the False Face Society, they just are insane, sociopathic, sadistic, crazy people. Like, that's their, like, that's their thing, is that they are just, like, sadistic pieces of shit. Um... And so that stuff came across really well. Also, Victor Zaz. Well, Victor Zaz is a little bit different. Um, like, he's not really linked to Black Mask, but, like, him and Black Mask were also very, like, similar in this uh, in this sense. Yeah, no, I, I actually thought that their, their kind of, like, relationship, this, like, S&M style relationship I thought was, like, really well done. Um, it was... Like it was, it was, it was, I, it, it was for me at least the most, one of the most enjoyable parts of the, of the movie was just watching them be like batshit and hammy, um, on top of everything. Like it, it was, uh, I, 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 I thought that was well done and a lot of fun. Um, shame that they killed them both entirely. Right. Like it, it felt like, uh, like a Marvel, like you said, like a Marvel movie, kill the villain. Who cares? Right. Like. Very definitively kill the villain. You know, I gotta say, what a way to die. Fucking yeah. getting blown up by that. That was the craziest thing to me. Was not just that they killed him. Because I was like, Harley's a very lethal. You know, like, she is not shooting blanks here. Um, but uh, the the very end of that movie is the little kid. Like, who, by the way, like, ten minutes beforehand. Credit to Rachel for pointing this out. Ten minutes beforehand... 
Huntress is like, stay away from, stay away from them. Keep your, keep your voice to you. Like, just keep your eyes closed and hold this or whatever. Because like, this is really fucking traumatizing. And here she is like planting a grenade (laughs) in his pocket and like cheering when he tumbles over the fucking pier and blows into a million pieces. Like... On, on like on one hand, I kind of thought that was clever. I was like, "Oh, like she's like a pickpocket. Of course, she could like whoop, slip it in there or whatever." But also, just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh god. Anyway, so yeah, that was definitely very weird. I am also sad that they are dead, especially because like part of what makes I like I think the Batman mythos more than most others maybe Spider-Man also gets a little bit of this like Batman gets gets so much mileage out of his uh rogues gallery coming back over and over and over again right like not just the fact that they are like you know like always there but like the the consistent fact that Batman has fought Victor Zaz dozens of times and like keeps locking them up in Arkham or whatever. Um, like that's a part of what underlies the, the, like that's part of like the drama. And so I feel like if I were in a position, I guess, to be like making these sorts of decisions, I would say, absolutely. They have to survive, you know, like they just go to Arkham asylum or whatever. And they like show up as a, as a cameo, the next one or something. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, but like, like you said, the, uh, like this kind of like villain esque group, um, had you know like the, the lethality I think is kind of expected, right? Like it's it's like uh, it's like Deadpool, right? You kill a bunch of shit. It's just it's just a shame that like you know that's the way they all have to all have to go. I, I thought it was interesting that like it was mostly like it felt it felt like the Marvel TV shows and that like the villains were mostly their human personalities rather than their like kind of like super egos. Um, I just thought it was uh neat um although like i don't know I, I i thought it was more neat than anything else just kind of like something to remark on that nothing nothing like super compelling or anything like that yeah um yeah i mean i think that there was like fun stuff that they yeah. that they got to do and like they were hammy and i'm always here for just like hammy bullshit or whatever but like this is not like the tortured you know, empathetic villains, which by the way is a very good thing of like, like Thanos or whatever. Right. Or like these people who are, uh, uh, like, I don't know, like incomprehensible in a way, in, in the way that like some of the, the like more out there Marvel guys, um, kind of can be, it's just like very straightforward. These guys are bad guys. They they're they're bad sadistic people who are motivated by deep, complete, terrible, completely terrible insecurities. You don't have any sympathy for them, and that's fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's 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 fair. Um, although I found it hard to kind of like, I found it super hard to like sympathize with the characters too, right? Like, like the like, I guess maybe like. Like, you know, Cassandra's a kid and Huntress is just kind of like on a path of vengeance. Black, Black Canary, I think. Black Canary, I think, is a better main character than Harley is. Because, like, they, like, go to great lengths to drive home the point that, like, Harley Quinn has basically been using the Joker as an excuse to be an absolute shithead. Um, and, like, it makes her character, like, kind of 
unsympathetic in a lot of ways. Um, at least that's at least that's how, that's how how it read to me. When I think you're supposed to like feel for her in some in some moments, right? Like, I don't know. If, if, if I mean, to be honest, I agree with that. This is the Jack Sparrow thing. I, we've talked about this before yeah. in other situations um, where you know, like if you you are going to make. <coughs> Excuse me. If you're going to make someone like Harley Quinn your main character, you have to find a way to sort of offshoot sh- a lot of the protagonisty stuff onto a more boring Luke Skywalker right esque character who can kind of do that heavy lifting because like that needs to be there to give your story some structure. But, like, you just kind of want Harley to be zany and weird and not really be going through much of an arc and let her be her. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I absolutely agree with that point. Yeah. Um, there was there was another as- a small aspect of this that, I, that I'm that uh, i forgetting now. But, um, oh, yeah, like, th- there, were, there were a couple of moments that were just kind of, like, out there that I, like, Thought were like like you know like the the first one that comes to mind is like in in that that evidence locker scene we were talking about right like there's a moment where like Harley Quinn like 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 bangs her head into like a pile of cocaine and like gets like energized by like snorting cocaine it's like what what the f- what the, the fuck like I, that was very just kind of like what like I I don't understand why this moment is here type of deal. Like it, it felt like just like an, a moment to be R rated to be R rated. If that makes sense, like it, it, like it felt Looney Tunes, but in like a kind of like haha or like adult Looney Tunes way. I, I don't know. Yeah. It, it felt very yeah. And and I would have been happy with that sort of scene in a movie that was otherwise about you know Black Canary breaking out of the cyclical life of poverty and crime or something right or like helena bertinelli like getting her vengeance for her you know like imagine a world where the center carrot like the central like pov character is huntress and she is like tracking down and murdering all of these people and like harley quinn is there to like offer hijinks to her like super serious revenge mission that's like a match made in heaven do you know what I mean? Between like the like her self seriousness and Harley's craziness. So the idea of putting that scene in where you know she's gonna snort a bunch of cocaine to finish beating up a bunch of bad guys in an evidence locker room that seems fine to me. Um, but in the movie that we got, it was definitely like a little bit weird. And the funny thing is that the moment itself works, and the moment later down the line when she is doing the like maybe this is just because Margot Robbie is like really into this character and she just like wants to play harley quinn real bad um because also later down the line when she's doing like serious character stuff i'm also with her and her pathos but like when i think about those two things as being in the same movie it's like wait no that's not real that's that doesn't make any sense yeah yeah i i think that's i think that's a good point right like there's she's supposed to be going through this arc where she's like separating herself from from the joker but like it's, I think it's undercut by like the goofiness of like like the cocaine scene or like the like you know like the kind of like tragic loss of the egg sandwich scene, right? Like it, it just kind of feels like it feels hard to take her seriously as a character when she's like so like prominently goofy in these ways, right? And it's not like like I think you could sell it in different ways. Like I guess you could tell it's like a way that she copes with things, but they she, they don't do that, right? They just kind of like present them as like like, two different things that the character is doing. It, it, it just rings a little bit hollow, I guess, is the right way to put it. Um, 
the the other the other thing I wanted to point out that I that I thought was well done but weird was the when 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 Black Mask slaps her and she goes to like that that like Marilyn Monroe scene I thought that was like super well done and like super stylish stylish and I, I but like it felt like it was out of nowhere like kind of nonsensical but I like I don't know I I wish that like if they had gone like more in that direction maybe and made it like a little bit kookier if they were gonna do that or like I I don't know how you play that and like make it make like I feel like you have to make the movie make less sense in order for that to that scene to make more sense, but like, and and I like the scene, but it just felt random in, and in the middle of everything. Yeah, I also like that scene a lot. Um, I that's that's it. I I like that scene a lot. I thought that scene was great, but like, it didn't really belong there or anywhere. I guess. Um, and it's like this. This is another sort of thought I had over the course of the movie, which is that, like, there's cool stuff happening a lot. Um, but at the same time, it's not cohesive. Like, it doesn't fit together very well. And it feels like every day they showed up on set or whatever, and somebody's like, ooh, I had a really great idea for how to shoot this, right? And then the next day, like, they showed up on set, and somebody's like, ooh, I had a really great idea on how to shoot this. But, like, those two days don't link together at all. So it's kind of like each shot is, like, really compelling and interesting. It is just that they don't run together. Yeah, they don't form a cohesive story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in 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 a strong way. In the same way that we were talking about with the fight scenes, right? Like, you know, I like a lot of those moments where she's, like, kicking the dude's legs and, like, breaking his legs, like, 40 different ways or whatever. But then there's also just, like, other pieces of that fight scene where I'm just like, this is a fucking snooze fest. Like, it's so slow. What are you doing? And it's like, how are those two shots, which are right next to each other, also in the same movie? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. (sighs) Well, in, in kind of the the comic books lore section of things, I, I, something I was intensely curious about is is uh, the I think is Doc the old Chinese man is is he a real character in the DC universe? Uh, he might be. I don't know. I I never followed the like the Gotham City okay. Siren stuff uh, intensely closely. I like the Bat Family drama a lot, which is why I know like the the Huntress and like the Renee Montoya side of things. Um, I but maybe is the answer. I know that Harley Quinn has like a huge following. She's basically the most popular character, uh, female character in the DC comic book universe, um, and uh, and she there's like all this stuff to her, to like her and her mythos that I just don't know at all. To be honest, I I I have to guess that part of that's like the Deadpool effect because she, she's kind of like the Deadpool for DC, right? In terms of like character archetype. Um, yeah, yeah, I, you know, definitely in terms of this movie, for sure, uh, but she's not, like, typically this, like, break the fourth wall e, you know? Sure, 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 I mean, and, and you know, like, while that's defining characters, I meant kind of more, like, the off-the-wall goofy aspect. Yeah, 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 definitely, no, that stuff is, like, very Harley Quinn. I mean, part of it is that, like, also Harley Quinn has, like, an, endoy, an enduring presence as part of the Suicide Squad at this point. Um, one of the interesting things... Well, we'll talk about that in a second. But, uh, but like, so she gets a lot of kind of front and center time on the team of the Suicide Squad, where you have characters like Rick Flagg, who can 
be the you know what i mean who can like be the serious guy or like dead shot or whoever else um to kind of uh to sort of let her be like kooky and wacky and on off in the corner um and uh not like not have to to carry the burden yeah, I yeah, guess, yeah. of the of the overall sort of narrative um, but one of the things that I do think is really, really interesting is weird is how much that Suicide Squad aesthetic for Harley Quinn has like defined the the aesthetic of Harley Quinn, right? Like I expected there to be a lot more walking her back in this movie from Suicide Squad, and it was weird that they had a lot of connections um, between this and Suicide Squad. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's, it. That's no, my whole thought. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> like the pink and blue stuff. Yeah, the pink uh, and blue stuff, and like the, they make direct reference to to like the the events of the movie in a cut. Like when she's doing her like summary of the backstory, right? Um, although the Joker, in, like the animated Joker in her summary of the backstory, does not look like Jared Leto's Joker. He looks more like a classic Joker. Um, so maybe they're just trying to do like a half retcon or something. Um, yeah, do, you, do you know what like the the status of the DCEU is? Because it it seems like it seems kind of like the, like like maybe they just like won't ever cross over at some I point. I think they are just saying I don't care, which it puts us in this weird position because we know that there is going to be an Aquaman two that includes all of the Aquaman characters. We know that there's going to be a what you know like Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four comes out in like three or four months. Um, which includes like her whole group. And so it's like, obviously that it's in the same universe. Shazam is obviously in the same universe. Right. But like, and, and also like, we're the, the, the Batman just... coming up and we have suicide squad coming up and both of those seem to be in alternate universes. And like the the Justice League Flash showed up in the TV show recently, right? Yeah, the Justice League Flash showed up in the TV show, and that movie is like constantly in limbo of getting made. Um, apparently, they actually wanted to not they wanted to unmake that movie, and Ezra Miller, who is the guy who plays the Flash, was like, "No, no, no, we are making this movie," and he like stuck to his guns about it, which is very weird because like typically in these sorts of situations, you will see the the lead star just like drop up, be like, "All right, you know, big whiff, whatever." Um. So yeah, it is the weirdest thing, honestly. Um, I, Shazam, like we know that I'm not Shazam. Uh, Black Adam, we know that The Rock, is, like his movie is coming out, and that is explicitly tied to the rest of these DC movies. So it's just like I think the DC EU is going to be there, and like maybe at some point they'll do. Uh, like I swear to God. If they ever do a, like, Justice League 2 or something like that, I will lose my fucking mind. So you want a tinfoil hat theory? What's that? They're, they're intentionally making it, like, confusing. That way they have an excuse to do, like, a Crisis on Infinite Earths to kind of tie it all back together. Like, because that's, like, a super, that's super popular, right? Like, Crisis on Infinite yeah. Earths is, like, a super popular event for DC, right? So, like, uh-huh. like... Well, we can only really justify a crisis on infinite earths if every if nothing makes sense, and we need to tie these blue sense together somehow. So, like, you know, that that, that that's my tinfoil, right? I could, like it, I, my tinfoil hat would be something very similar, which is like I could imagine they do a Justice League movie, but it's like Robert Pattinson instead of 
Ben Affleck. And like maybe there will be a line where Aquaman is like, Didn't didn't you used to be older? And then like Ezra Miller will be like, honestly, there was like a whole thing. Don't worry about it. You know what I mean? Like and it's like for the lore nerds who care. Everyone would be like, oh, he's referencing that time that the DC TV universe had a crisis on Infinite Earths and he met Grant Gustin or whatever. And, like, clearly, as an after effect of that, Robert Pattinson is now Batman or whatever. That would be my tinfoil hat. But I actually have a feeling that uh, they're just, like, not going to look to tie it all together anytime soon. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's it just it's just so weird because like the other part of this, right, is the, t- the TV series is super popular, right? Like even though they're like I've, I've heard them described as like various levels of kind of like like uh, tr- you know like trashy but fun trashies. Is that accurate? Oh, that's super accurate. But like in the best way. I mean, listen, it's comic books. Like they are tr- inherently fundamentally trashy. <laughs> so the fact that they are. the fact that like the tv show is also that is just a testament to how accurate they they are does that make sense yeah no that makes that makes perfect sense i'm just super surprised they haven't leveraged any of that popularity into something for the movies right like the Uh like it seems like the movies are like obsessed with like chasing the marvel dragon um or like you know at one point chasing like the zach's the zach like the the dark knight uh, slash dark or Zack Snyder dark dark darker tone dragon and like it's like why not just like kind of like abandon that and just like go for the TV show stuff right like I don't know it, it just it just seems it just seems like a questionable set of decisions um, yeah so for something that I find pretty funny in the way that people are talking about like chasing uh, the the sort of like Marvel formula. Um, is that it feels like the proper way to do it is to kind of not is to not sweat the bad ones, right? Which is like, okay, listen, the Marvel movies were all pretty good, but like definitely a lot of them were like forgettable or whatever. And like a bunch of them made not a lot of money, right? Um, like Man of Steel outgrossed most of the Marvel Cinematic Universe because a lot of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies were pretty cheap and, like, the Doctor Strange movie is not breaking the the box office or whatever, and that's fine. Um, but I think, like, studios get spooked by bombs, right? And so, like, there's this fear that, you know, if you're putting out movies and they're all sort of, like, connected, well, if one of them flops, what do you do? Well, now you have to call off your whole cinematic universe. But it's like... If I'm a studio head, that's a ridiculous proposition. It's basically saying your movies have to be 100% good or they are immediately bad. You know, like immediately, like this whole project is like off, right? Like, could you imagine if like all of the Star Wars universe got like canceled because of the Phantom Menace or something like that? That's kind of like the world that we live in. Um, and so, like, I feel like the next time we see a sort of, like, cinematic universe that ties everything together, it will sort of look like that, where it's like, okay, listen, people didn't really connect to Batman vs. Superman or Suicide Squad or whatever, but we're gonna do Justice League 2, we're gonna give it to Patty Jenkins, because her Wonder Woman movie did really well, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, she's gonna have to kind of abide by the lore and the continuity, but she can otherwise do what she wants with it, and then, like, just kind of trudge on through it. Do you know what I mean? Um, I don't know. We'll see. 
maybe maybe that's like in the cards. Maybe it's not. Yeah. No. Like I, I could I could see that. I I I I keep thinking to myself like. Was it the case that like maybe it worked? You know, like the first three Star Wars were successful were like the early Marvel movies successful. It's like kind of right. Like I remember Winter's or not Winter Soldier, the original Captain America and the original Thor being like meh, and then everything really took off with Iron Man. Um, and I guess well, Iron just, Man like, was first. Well, okay, technically, in Iron Man, it was Iron Man, then Incredible Hulk, then Thor, then Captain America. Right, right, right. No. um... Uh, but like, it's the the point being that like I, I guess I guess if the first one's good enough, it works because like, um, because I like Man of Steel was like was pretty critically panned, right? Like I'm, I'm not remembering that even it's even fifty fifty. I think it's literally fifty percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which I'm sure is panning of some for some variety. But right, right. But like I, I guess like if if you start off on the wrong foot, it just kind of makes it hard to to deal with. Although. T- to their credit, they've kind of been powering through it, right? Like, with this kind of, like, mishmash of whatever. I honestly think that if you did another Henry Cavill Superman movie, um, but with a different director, with, like, a different pitch, uh, you could pretty easily, like, get it to work. I don't think people... I don't know. I th- th- This is maybe a hot take. People seem to talk about the actors as much as like the characters in a way but i actually don't think that that matters all that much um i think if boy that was a loud ass siren okay um i think if super i think if henry cavill were to come back as superman for a movie under a different director with a different story people would be eager to eat it up in the same way that like look casino royale was great and then the next one, Quantum of Solace, was garbage. And then the next one, Skyfall, was great, right? Like, but like people didn't get pissed at whatever that guy's name is that I can't remember. James right Bond? Now. Well, no, 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 not James Bond. Who's the actor? Oh, Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. Some people were like, "Oh, Daniel Craig is such a bad," you know. Bond, and I don't think yeah. people are like Henry Cavill is such a bad Superman, really. Um, it's just a matter of like putting him in the right sort of position. But, like, you know, you, we have these understandings of who actors are, and they have star power, and they, like, open movies or whatever. And so, like, if you're a studio head, you blame Henry Cavill and say, oh, Henry Cavill isn't, isn't a good Superman or whatever. Yeah, I, but I, I haven't ha- felt a lot of, like, like my – at least in kind of, like, the, the cultural consensus, right? Like, the, the blame around – Man of Steel seems to fall on Zack Snyder because, you know, people like to crap on Zack Snyder. Um, but, like, it feels like that wasn't, like, tied to, to Cavill. Whereas, like, I feel like like there were a lot of, like, Batman criticisms of, of, of Ben Affleck uh, that, 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 like, he, that he didn't do the, uh, the, the role justice or whatever. And then, like, he, um, it, it's interesting to see, like, how those things attach themselves um, in different ways. Because I do think you're right. I think you could do another Henry Cavill movie and, like, I think you could eat, like, I don't, I don't think you'd want to do it with that. Like, I think Zack Schneider could do it, but I, I just don't think you'd want to. I think you'd want to just, like, give it to somebody else because of, like, kind of the stigma around it. But I, I think if you did that, it'd be it'd be fine, right? Like, you give it to, uh, well, like, give it to, like, probably, probably Patty Jenkins, right? Like, or, 
or you know somebody else is like fairly serious, right? Like Christopher I'm, McQuarrie is talked about a lot. He's the Mission Impossible guy. Mm. He's in like the last two, and he's doing the next two Mission Impossible <laughs> movies. Bring back Christopher Nolan to do his DC thing. Oh my uh, god! Wow, that's uh, a, that's a take. <laughs> uh, who else could we? Yeah, I uh, mean, maybe. Uh, well, who knows? Like maybe Matt Reeves and the Batman with uh, with. Uh, what's his face is gonna like take off and like that'll be their marvel universe right like they'll recast everybody or maybe they'll just like import everyone else like they'll just bring in gal gadot because why not and they'll bring in jason momoa because why not but then like superman is gonna be you know whoever some some new some new guy or something um oh you know what that's the other piece of this puzzle that'd be weird like can you imagine Joaquin Phoenix showing up as a as a as the Joker for like Harley Quinn and Batman in this oh like newish God. universe? That's so weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he would ever do it in a million years. I do not think that there is a like a dump truck full of money that Warner <laughs> Brothers could just like back up to his door to get him to do that because he is Joaquin Phoenix and you know what I mean. Like he's a prestigious actor who just won an Oscar or whatever, but. Um, yeah, yeah, no, that like just like, oh man, like I, I, because I had totally forgotten about, um, about about that Joker. It's like technically that's the most recent cinematic Joker, right? And like, like I said, the animated Joker in in the mo- in the movie doesn't look like doesn't look like either of them. Really, doesn't look like Arthur Fleck or like uh, or like uh, Jared Leto's Joker. So I will say that I actually do think it looks like Jared Leto's Joker. It's just that it is Jared Leto's Joker before the way that we think of him right there's a moment in suicide squad where it flashes back to their past where he doesn't have all the tattoos or whatever and he's wearing the suit where he looks like a very straightforward joke okay um, okay so maybe okay i'll buy yeah. i don't remember that movie very well so I'll, I'll take your word for it um but i think that might be a good uh spot to transition to our weeks do we want to talk about the oscars a little bit since they, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we can talk about the Oscars and the eponymous uh, Joker. Um, you know, as uh, as as Arthur Flex says, uh, you get what you deserve. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you have you have seen the most of the Oscar movies, so like, hit us with your hit us with your your big take. Yeah, so um, I I saw Parasite last weekend. Uh, and you know, people. I, I gave my opinions there, and like, I don't like. I wouldn't have given it best picture. I don't think it's like a terrible choice, right? Um, I probably would have given it to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood if, if, if you know, if I were the Academy. Um, but I do still think it was a very good movie. Um, I thought it was crazy how it cleaned up so much. I do think there's a very good reason why none of the actors got nominated for anything. Like, I, I will, I will die, or maybe die on the hell is the wrong thing, but I, I will continue to say that I didn't think the acting was particularly impressive in Parasite. Um, and there was some stuff that I thought was, was, wasn't great, but, um, I don't want to say too much just because, um, I think, uh, as a bonus episode or maybe as like, well, our, I know for the two of us, the next few weeks are kind of stuffed. Um, friend of the cast, Junki has said that he'd be interested in maybe recording a bonus episode with, with either just me or with you too, buddy, if you can go see it, uh-huh. um, on Parasite. So I think we'll do a fuller treatment of that, um, later. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 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 I think cinematography for 1917 was, you know, like he had to win it, right? The only other thing that was like even a contest, at least in my eye, was was nine was uh, was was Parasite, right? Like I thought, I thought 
Parasite had incredible cinematography, but like 1970 was just such another level that like I I don't think you could you could beat it. Um, other stuff I still need to see Marriage Story, so I can't uh, uh, I can't speak to I think Laura Dern won Best Supporting Actress for that. Um, and for screenplay, like. I thought Parasite, like, was, like I said, was neat, but I thought the story was kind of all over the place. We'll, we'll go into that. And I, I think it should have gone to Knives Out because I thought that movie was, was, was excellent um, and a lot of fun. But, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, otherwise, nothing else really stood out to me. Oh, we were talking about this a little bit in, in our side chat. Is like visual effects, right? Like, I kind of thought it was going to go to the Avengers. Um and it didn't. It went to 1917, and it's interesting because, like, I, I was looking back at the night uh, at the visual effects winners for like the past 30 years, and it seems to me, at least, like visual effects usually gets done for things like given to things that are a little bit more fantastical. Um, and the way I put it, and I, I stand by this, is I, I think that like visual effects tend to go to you know popular spectacle movie that we want to give that we need to give an award to because you know we feel obligated to but we don't want to give them a real award because they're not art type things right and so i think that i think a lot of people were expecting avengers to get it um and it didn't um i don't know how i feel about that i think a lot of the times highbrow like like sci-fi stuff will will steal it so for instance That's last fair. year it was first man the year before that it was blade runner 2049 two years before that it was ex machina then it was interstellar then it was gravity then it was life of pi none of these are like the big popular comic book movies that like underlie them before that it was hugo then it was inception which is kind of like the only so like in That's the fair. last 10 years it like inception and the jungle book are kind of like the two like big crowd pleasers that really got there. I mean, maybe in the 10 years before that, now that I'm looking at it, because you have Avatar, the Golden Compass. Wow, the Golden Compass won an Oscar. What the fuck? Um, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, Spider-Man 2 won it in 2004. Um, the Matrix won it in 1999. I just feel like I like... You know, in the past 10 years, in like the 2010s, we kind of moved into a, a world where we're using VFX to do more kind of complex storytelling things. And so Oscar winning directors like Ang Lee or, you know, um, uh, Alejandro Inaritu. Uh, I see he didn't win one. Uh, who's the guy that did Gravity that I'm thinking about? Uh, Alfonso Cuaron. Um like these are the guys that are gonna like walk away with that award. Yeah, um, I, I guess the point. I think the point that's a little bit more true is that um, is that the, they tend to be fantastical. If that makes sense, right? Like, it, like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Life of Pi is not like a yeah a gritty realism movie. <laughs> yeah, well, I would say like nineteen seventeen is very grounded, right? Like, uh, um, yeah. And, so I but, think the thing for nineteen seventeen is because of the camera, right? The camera. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. Did. It was the, um... it was stitched one shot, um, uh, which you know is, is a thing to behold. But like, yeah. Um, also, like that's the other thing too is like I find it hard to kind of like with the less fantastical movie to separate like what should be considered cinematography and what should be considered visual effects because like they, they're they're married pretty closely. I huh. think because um, there's this like great great scene in 1917 where um, like. Uh, the main character is running through like uh, a town, a bombed out town at night, and there are flares going up, and the lighting is like 
spectacular. Like the the lighting and the the visual, like the the visual presentation there is great. And I would think of that as cinematography. I don't, I don't know if that gets counted as as visual effects or not. Um, but now that you say it, like the the stitched single shot makes a lot of sense as being like a a very good or, or like a, a point the thing to point you for visual effects. So, well, yeah, I, that, that's the Oscars. Is, was, do you have anything else that you wanted to bring up about it? Uh, I don't think so. Did you have any? Did you have any Oscar takes that you wanted? I did to, not have any. Sure? I, I basically didn't do the like. Typically, I try and go out and see as many of the Oscar movies as I can. Uh, but I just kind of consciously was like, yeah, I'm just gonna gonna skip this year. Um, so I I've been more or less disconnected um, when it comes to. I don't know when it comes to this sort of stuff. Uh, listen, I just have to play lots and lots of World of Warcraft Mango. Is that what you're doing right now? Is that, is that what the I keyboard wish taps? I want to be playing World of Warcraft right now. I want to be getting my fucking my coalescing visions so that I can buy the keys to do the horrific visions. It is so insidious. <laughs> like someone someone pointed out that okay, so for islands, which is another piece of content that I like to do a lot, you can just queue up for whatever the fuck you want, right? Like you can just. Go to the guy, hit Q for your mythic island, and, and you get and you do it. And the thing with islands is that you do three of them, and then you get a big giant payout. And then, so each of the individual islands is kind of not really worth all that much afterwards. Um, the horrific visions have the opposite effect, where it is very hard to get access to them. Right, like you really only get two or three tickets, or three or four tickets <coughs> over the course of your week, depending on how much you farm. Um, but, uh, they're super fun and they reward you with really, really great stuff. And I, it sucks cause I just want to do them. I want to do so much of them. Um, they are really well designed and, uh, the progression, uh, of going through, I mean, I must've, I must have gone through maybe like 20 or so, uh, since the patch came out in January, um, and I've just now sort of like filled out the talent tree that comes with it to like make yourself stronger in visions or whatever, but like there's a whole new level of difficulty on top of that. So, okay. So here's how, here's the basic structure, right? You go to a city and then there are a total of five zones. There is the beginner zone, two medium zones, two difficult zones. You get rewards for each of the zones that you end up completing, right? So if you do the beginner zone, and then one of the bonus zones, you'll get two chests. So you can do one, two, three, four, or five chesting. Um, I have yet to successfully five chests, but we've did a four chest the other day where we did all four of the bonus zones. Um, every time you defeat the boss, uh, each of the each of the five zones has a boss, right? The boss of the beginner zone, if you defeat that boss, which is either Thrall or Illyria, you will close the vision, right? Like, the vision ends. Um, each of the other zones, though, if you defeat that boss, you can, like, continue on. So what you do is you sort of, let's call them mini-bosses. You defeat the four mini-bosses in the bonus zones, and then you go back to Illyria and you defeat Illyria. Or you go back to Thrall and you defeat Thrall. But here's the interesting thing. Each of the mini bosses has like a has like mechanics, right? Like there are boss fight mechanics to this. Illyria will gain the mechanics 
of the mini bosses. So the first time you kill Illyria when she has no mechanics, she's pretty easy. She does a couple of things, you know, you dodge whatever, stay out of the stay out of the fire. Okay, that's fine. Then you start like getting one and two chesting it. And so you're adding like one or two other mechanics and now it's like you know not difficult but like challenging and takes a while because you have to be like very careful on how you're doing stuff you don't want to like get fucked or whatever doing Illyria on after having completed all of the bonus zones is like really hard because she's carrying a bunch of extra mechanics and also she just has like passive buffs for when you kill like the mini bosses or whatever but that's not even the end of the difficulty tree right the di- once you five chest the heroic vision you earn what's called a mask and there are a total of five different masks that you can plug in before you start the vision that make the vision even harder right like you do the vision at half sanity or you do the vision um but there's another persistent constant effect making it harder for you to do it or whatever else right and so now you're trying to do one two three four or five chesting one two three four or five masks which is like a total of 25 different levels of like complexity and difficulty and it's just like this ladder that i want to climb so bad but it's also very hard yeah, and no, that's that's, it. that's the, horrific visions. It's the shit. That <laughs> uh, sounds like the the typical uh, rogue like uh, uh, kind of progression. And honestly, yeah. that, that's the, limiting like that is kind of it's kind of clever if I think about it. Because like I know when I play a lot of like I really enjoy rogue likes, but like the way I used to play them is I play them for a while, and then like I'll I'll get like a really good run, and then if when I either. I went off of it, which is not most of the time, or I'll like lose, but deep in, I'll be like, you know what? That's enough for now. And it'll be a while before I go back to them. Right. Like, really? That is uh, interesting. Huh? Uh, yeah. And so by like limiting the number of runs you have, right? Like you can kind of tamp down that a little bit. Um, right. Like this is yeah. kind of how, it, like, I feel like this also happens with like BR games, right? Battle Royale games. Like, it's like, you know, you play a game, you get to like the top five. It's just like, you know what? I can't like be, be, be asked to like play another one. Right. So like I'm done with this for now. Um, and, yeah. you know, it's not always on like a super long time frame, but like on like a like a uh, like a like a, a day or two. Right. Like I, I feel like it's it's like it sounds like it's about the cadence that you're at. And it's like I think part of the danger with normal roguelikes is that like it's very easy to be like, OK, I screwed up early in this run. And so it's not worth pursuing anymore. And I'll just like either reset or do something or like, you know. I didn't get a good roll in like the first chamber on like the 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 the, the gun I'm the you know like yeah like the, the freebie yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Just start off with yeah and so it's like well I, it's it's a little bit more than just start off right like it's like you know I do the first floor which is like you know five ten minutes I have like shit rolls going out of it so I might as well just restart or whatever whereas if you got this very limited resource to do it which only really makes sense for a game in the context of like of of a game where you can do other things right like it makes sense in the context of an MMO. Um, that's, 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 that's really interesting design. Um, no, it, it, the, the crazy thing to me, this is the craziest thing to me by limiting the most fun and engaging piece of gameplay in wow. Right now I am incentivized and encouraged to play a lot more. Wow. Because what they do, cause like, because everything rewards coalescing visions of which you need 10,000 in order to buy a vessel. <coughs> I'm in this situation where, like, 
everything I'm doing is rewarding some amount of coalescing visions, like a thousand, fifteen hundred, five thousand, or whatever, right? And so, like, all of the it is fun playing WoW because I feel like I am building up to the visions, even though the building up to the visions itself is like not incredibly engaged. It's just normal WoW, right? It's just dailies, world quests, that kind of thing, right? So it is weird. It is weird to me. Um, I'm sure. I don't have the normal experience. Uh, obviously, I've been up on Battle for Azeroth compared to a lot of other people. So I wouldn't be surprised if, like, if we pulled on Enoch or something. And he was like, yeah, it's bullshit how much you have to farm just to get one vision. And, you know, and it sucks when you lose a vision. I mean, listen, let me tell you something. It fucking blows when you waste a key. Right? Like, because you work so hard for those keys. And, like, if you go in there and, like, you pull a little too aggressively, right? Or, like, you don't dodge enough mechanics. Or, like, so, okay, so one of the things that you do is um, your sanity is constantly ticking down, right? Um, and as you get to very low amounts of sanity, you want to drop an orb, and the orb is going to replenish you back up to full. And you have three total orbs over over the course of your run right so there's a real question sometimes of like well i'm at 250 sanity it's ticking down at six sanity per second right that's about a minute can i defeat another pack of trash in that minute right or do i sort of waste this 250 sanity by like going back to full here even though i'm out of combat and this is the only you can only use the corb when you're out of combat and i have lost runs because i've gambled like that and and lost where i thought i could clear the trash pack in time and i just couldn't and my sanity ticks out and even though i have two more fucking orbs in there and i'm like i could clear you know tons and tons of the vision if i had just like done it right or whatever um i didn't and and that sucks but like at the end of the day it's one of those feelings of like i fucked up do you know what i mean like clearly i should not have rolled the dice and i should have backed off um or like another version of this is um so when it comes to certain mechanics um those mechanics will drain you of your sanity, right? And elites will give you back sanity. If you kill an elite, you get 200 sanity back or whatever. So sometimes what you'll end up in these situations where you have just used your orb, you've just you've just topped yourself off for sanity, and but the next thing in your path is an elite. And so you kill the elite and you get like 50 sanity because that's as much as sanity as you lost during the during the fight or whatever. But like you should have theoretically you should have way more um because if you had come at that when you were at half sanity you would have gotten the full 200 little like optimization stuff like that you know like that it'll kill you um and so i don't know it's amazing it's super fun it's like it's i can't um, i can't believe how engaged i am and uh how excited i am to see Sort of what Torghast looks like. Because I imagine that Torghast is going to be this, but for the entire expansion. Yeah. No, that, 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 sounds, that sounds super neat. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't really have anything to, to put on top of that. Um, I've just played Destiny more this week. They released the Imperian Foundation, which is just like you give them a bunch of resource and you grind for resource. And just more grinding, which is it's fun because it's, it's a cool core gameplay loop but you know um 
currently my my deal is I, I keep trying to play competitive and uh i'm not super good at it but i'm like okay at it so it's like you know it's like keep like the competitive aspect is there to keep pushing me so i like that but like it's you know it's whatever um what else is there uh uh i don't know sonic the hedgehog is coming out on thursday are you excited uh yes with a capital y holy <laughs> shit am i excited we're actually that's our valentine's day for rachel and i we're going to hey. uh we're going to sonic the hedgehog it's funny so earlier today some of our wow friends were like hey what are you guys doing for valentine's day we're looking for ideas and i was like well i'm taking rachel to the beach and we're gonna eat fancy gelato as the sun sets and uh, and everyone was like, oh, that's so sweet. Oh, my God, that's so romantic. And then Rachel was like, and then we're going to go see Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> like... <laughs> Which is like, I didn't really realize at the time that it was uh, Valentine's Day weekend when I bought those tickets. But, like, you, you pinged me and you were like, I bought my Sonic tickets. Did you buy them? And I was like, oh, yeah, fuck, yeah, I'm buying these. So I kind of haphazardly got them, and then I told Rachel when we went to go see um, Birds of Prey, uh, I was like, oh, hey, by the way, I, I bought Sonic tickets for next week. Do you want to go see Sonic? She was like, oh, yeah, like let's do that. And I was like, it's on Valentine's Day. She was like, okay, great. Let's do that for Valentine's Day. <laughs> so don't let me down, Jim Carrey. This is this is my big romantic Valentine's Day. Me and, me and my wife, who's excited? Oof. So, so you're going on Friday then? Uh, I actually think we're going on Thursday. Typically, we don't okay. celebrate Valentine's Day on Friday because things are more expensive. Yeah, like, no, that almost makes sense. all the almost all the time we will we will celebrate Valentine's Day on um, like the the thirteenth or the fifteenth or whatever. Cause, like that makes sense. If you get like dinner reservations or whatever, they're gonna like jack it up a whole bunch. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I I am seeing I am seeing it at you know five o'clock is the first showing on the Thursday. Uh, you know, the time just keeps creeping backwards. So, like, you know, like, luckily my office is, like, right near the theater. But I'm mean, like, you know, leave work a half hour early so I can go watch this fucking Sonic movie. <laughs> um, but I am very excited. Uh, I, am, I am more excited for Sonic than I think I've been for, like, any other movie I've I've seen. Like, I like in the past, like, six months, I think. Wow. Like, huh. More Did you ever see Cats? I never got around to it, no. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was very excited to see Cats, is really what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, but yeah. Um, oh, the other the other thing I'm looking forward to um, is Bleeding Edge, the beta comes out on, uh, on, uh, on Friday, which is that Microsoft game that's like the third-person melee MOBA-looking thing. Uh, so, and that looks neat, but I have no idea. So, you know, the, the, honestly, the, the notification of pre-install popped up all, well, like, like a half hour ago when we were recording. So I was like, yeah, I hit the button and now it's ready to go. So I'm, I'm actually super pumped for that. Cause like, if it's good, it'll be good. Um, but if it's not, you know, whatever, we can just kind of drop it. It's no big deal. Um, I'm trying to get my value out of that game pass. So, uh, yeah. Um. I don't know if I have anything else to talk about, buddy. You know, I actually do have one other thing that I want, okay. that I want to, uh, to bring up. Have you ever heard of Relic Hunter Zero? Uh, is that one of the games that you guys publish? Yeah, so full disclosure, it is one of the games that Akupara Games publishes. So just to be – just to be we, uh, alarm bells, everybody. Um, 
but no joke, I have been playing a bunch of Relic Hunter Zero recently. So basically, so Relic Hunter Zero is like a top-down looter shooter um, where, you know, like you are, uh, it's like, it's all 2D. It's, it's no it's no 3D. Um, but it's, you, you're like running around collecting ammo, shooting big waves of like bad guys or whatever. And it's a very simple, very straightforward game, right? Like it's pixel art and like chiptune music. Uh, Relic Hunters is mostly played by like Brazilian kids that don't have very powerful computers. Like all of Relic Hunters is like 50 megabytes or something, right? Like it's a very small, compact kind of like game or whatever. Um, but I am amazed at how compelling the simplicity of this game has like made. It's, it's, has just like made me. Um, one of the things that I've spent a bunch of time, uh, like, so I had to, I had to like capture some footage. So I was just playing, like, normal, right? Like, I was just, like, progressing through the game. And I realized that, the, like, the hook is so simple, but it's so cool. Here's what happens. You load into a game, and you start on a spaceship, right? And the spaceship has all of these open, like, counters and, like, shelves and stuff. And on that stuff are these sort of, like, outlines of, like, ammo and health and weapons or whatever but it's all grayed out at first right like you can't like you can see the shotgun and you can see the shotgun goes there but you can't like you know like you can't like pick up the shotgun or whatever then you go into the levels and you start shooting guys you have like a pistol or whatever you can pick up a shotgun but it doesn't add it to your ship inventory but you get like coins and eventually you'll hit a shop and in the shop if there is a shotgun you can buy the shotgun and there might be a couple of other things um, and then the last thing is that there are the eponymous relics, right, um, which are divided into three uh, fragments, and each of the levels has a fragment of a relic in it, and you got to clear the level, and then search the level for the, for the fragment, and then you dig up the fragment, and when you get the three relics, fragments of the same relic, they bond together, and you get a real, you get a relic for the first time. Um, each of the relics then gives you like a, like a real buff to like the mechanics of the game or whatever. Like you have double ammo or you have double health, something like that. Uh, and you can have three of the relics like active at any time. And the simple like fact that they show you this vast collection of all of the things that you like can earn over the course of gameplay immediately made me be like, I want to fill out my spaceship and all of its shelves and like its counters or whatever so fucking badly and i've been playing a bunch of it ever since then like i've just been going getting on and like doing like each of the little levels takes like two or three minutes right and then you you'd like hop from stage from stage from stage till you get to like a boss or whatever so like you could do a whole line of them in like a half an hour or something kind of like that and uh, I don't really, there's not really much there besides I just wanted to bring up how like simple and engaging that that small little thing was, right? Like showing me the collection in a way that just made me want to put it all there. Yeah, no, no, that makes that makes it, it's less like this in Destiny, but like there's a collections page. I've definitely been like, well, I need to do this thing. Like, you know, when I don't have a lot of other things to do, I'll be like, well, instead of like just you know, shooting normal enemies, I'll go and see if I can find a way to get this piece of gear that's missing from my collection. And then I've got a, 
uh, like a, an emblem that counts how many things I have. But yeah, I have 1,800 things, but there are more things to get, buddy. So I need to get more things. So you, <laughs> I definitely get that, that kind of motivating factor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that sounds interesting. Maybe maybe I'll I'll I'll, I'll give it a look. See. Um, yeah, I mean it's free to play, so yeah. you don't really make any real money off of people picking up and, and playing the game. All right. Well, um, do you have anything else you want to talk about? Uh, nope. That's about it. All right. Well, if you'd like to talk, uh, email us and tell us what you think of. Uh, of Birds of Prey or the Academy Awards or any other things we talked about this podcast, you can reach us at um, some, derps play, some derps play games at gmail.com or podcast at some derps play games.com. Follow us on twitch.tv slash some derps play games. You can donate to us on Patre- at patreon.com slash some derps play games. Um, uh, rate and subscribe us on podcast services. Um, uh, buddy, was there anything else you wanted to promote? Uh, there is nothing else I am looking to promote. In that case, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.